I want to talk about uh, a man in the Bible, David. And uh, sometimes it's always good to know the end of the story. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 18. David recovered everything. David recovered everything. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 18. David recovered everything. You know, I like to know the end of the story. I also like to know what brought him to a place where he lost everything. What had he done that he lost everything? And what was the process by which he recovered everything? Because that is what helps me to journey my life. That's what helps me to walk through life and, and overcome. I love to be an overcomer because I'm the son of the living God who overcomes all the time. You know, tonight I want to remind you that, you know, I, I have been preparing a message for two weeks and this afternoon God asked me to change it. That means there's somebody here who is looking for a breakthrough. You have lost stuff in your life. You have lost things in your life and you do not know how to recover. God wants to assure you that he has been see, watching your situation. He's El Roy. He's a God who watches over your situation. He watches over your finances. He watches over your relationships. He watches over everything that you have and what you have lost because he's going to help you to catch some keys so that you can recover because he is not a God who will leave you. He is one of those guys who says, leave no man behind. He would always come back to take us out and he's, he's, he's going to talk to you tonight saying that I'm not going to leave you in that situation that you are because I want to take you out. I want to make you victorious because you are my child and I want to show this world that my children live according to the standards that I have set for them. You know, Jesus is alive. He never wants us to be in a situation where we lose everything. I want to lay a foundation to this story before I, I start unlocking the, or unpacking the keys. I've loved this story. I love David because uh, he started somewhere where I started. He started as a nobody. Not wanted by the family, not wanted by his relatives or anybody. And that's where David started. But in chapter, in chapter 27, it says, Then David thought to himself, One of these days I will be destroyed by the hands of Saul. The best thing I can do is escape to the land of Philistines. Saul will give up searching for me everywhere in Israel, and I will slip out of his hand. And so here we find that David is starting to think. A lot of times, if we listen to what we are talking, then we will know what's the condition of our heart. Here David is saying that one of these days I'm going to fall into the hands of Saul and he's going to destroy me. Therefore, I will leave the land of Israel and go to Palestine. You know what he's saying? That the God who has protected me all these years may forget or he may fall asleep and I may fall into Saul's hand. And therefore, I'm going to leave the protection of the land which he has selected, the land that is flowing with milk and honey. And I will cross over to the land of Philistines. Philistine means rebellious, a, pe a people who is always rebellious. And I will flow into that land because there is my protection. That is where I will get some protection. Are you with me? You know, so David has, has had some problems from Saul. 
He has had issues for coming from Saul. And then because of that, he's moving away. A lot of times, if you and I watch what is coming out of her mouth, we will know what is in the condition of our heart. Sometimes we say, oh, it's not going to get any better. What are we saying? That the, that the mountain that you are facing today is too big for God to move. And that is what David was saying. David had given up because he found that life was too tough. David had been selected as a young boy and he had been chosen to be the king over Israel. And then he found that, you know, things were not so easy. He was like Joseph. He dreamed dreams and he thought that it will happen tomorrow. It will happen tomorrow and it doesn't, it doesn't take an effort or a process. He had forgotten that to get from the field to the palace, there is a pathway. It is, it is not, it is not paven with, it's not, it's not covered with roses. It's covered with thorns and thistles and other problems. And David did not know that the pathway to that is, 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 is founded on problems. David had got a word from God. And one of the greatest prophets that ever lived other than Moses had come to his doorstep and he had prophesied over him. And he had said that God appoints you as a king over Israel. God had rejected Saul and he had said to Samuel, I want to select a person who is going to be my king, the next king of Israel. So he said to Saul, I want you, uh, he said to Samuel, I want you to go and go to the, the house of Jesse and there I'll show you whom to anoint and whom to ordain. So Samuel goes there, he, he goes there and sees, you know, now Jesse has eight sons. He's a, he's a man who flourished. He had eight sons, and then he called them out one by one. And every time these guys came out, these were huge guys. They were really built. And as they came out, Samuel would look at them and say, oh, that's the one. But God would say, no, you look at the outside. I look at the inside. Oh, the next one would come. And, the, and Samuel would think, oh, at least this one. But God would say, no, not that one. So they went through this process. He went through all the seven sons. But God did not put his hand upon that man. And then... Samuel turned around to Jess and said, do you have any more children? He said, yes, I've got one little boy who is watching the sheep. So Samuel calls the young boy in. The moment he walks in, Samuel knows that this is the guy that God has chosen. So he is chosen, he's anointed, he's called. And everything should fall into place. Logically, is that what is right? Everything should fall into place. But it's never like that. We found, I thought that when I would step out into ministry, when I would step out to go to a Bible school, God would just pave the way. He did pave the way, but he said, put all your money into the offering bag. Put, you know, I want you to, I want you to be obedient to me. I want you to be nice to people. You know, he started talking to me. But I said, God, what about me? There's nobody who's nice to me, you know. But he, he has a different pathway for us. That is what, what David started realizing. But also we need to understand that God, God paves a way that is quite different for other people. You know, I was preparing something which would have messed up the theology of a lot of people. Honestly, I was looking at, at Genesis. And uh, I was looking at what had happened. You know, at Jesus, God comes and says, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And I was looking at that, and I found that I was amazed that, that the enemy would come and talk to Eve and say, Eve, 
you know, if you eat of that tree, then you will have the knowledge of good and evil. You will have the knowledge of good and evil. In Hebrews, you find that God is saying that those who are mature, they are the ones who will have solid food. And how does one come to maturity? By choosing the difference between good and evil. So even in the Garden of Eden, I believe that God was walking with Adam and Eve and he was teaching them about good and evil. Why would otherwise Satan come and talk to them about good and evil? And why would he say, pick up the fruit of the tree and eat? You know, God was preparing them. God had given them an assignment. God had made man and said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. He just did not say multiply. He said, I want you to be fruitful. How can you be fruitful? By watching other people. Who are the people that, these, that Adam and Eve can watch? The only person that they can watch is God. You know, God had, had all his majesty, all his goodness, but he was God because he was able to discern the difference between good and bad. And that is why Satan came and said, if you pick off the tree, if you pick off the tree, then you will be like God. Adam and Eve wanted to cut through, shortcut the pathway that God had for them. Till then, God had given them a little arena. God had said, go fruitful and multiply over the earth. But he had given them a little area to work on. He had given them the Garden of Eden where they were supposed to work. And they were tending to the, to the trees and the plants. But they had forgotten that their assignment was bigger. He had said to them, I want to send you out. I want you to be fruitful on the earth. I want you to multiply. I want you to go and subdue. What is there to subdue on this earth which is flat, which is, which is having a few, few, few plants and trees? What was there that they had to subdue? I don't think it was a dinosaur that he wanted them to subdue. Do you think so? I don't think it was an elephant that he wanted them to subdue. He wanted them to subdue something bigger than that. God is not talking about small things. In the same way here, David had been given a kingdom. He wanted David to understand that, David, I'm putting you on the pathway of setting, setting apart a kingdom that will, that will show my glory. You know, when Samson, no, Solomon had built the temple... Sheba, who was the richest queen of that time, she came and stood outside the temple and looked at it and said, wow. She was stunned at the beauty. And she, she, was, she was so stunned that she, did, she couldn't speak. She looked at every design. She looked at every plate. Nowhere was there a plate repeated. The nowhere was the design of a plate repeated. Everything was unique. Everything was designer made. And God was starting to talk to David. That David, I want to make you a king. I want to make you a king. But little did David realize that his path has been, has been set up. And to, to help David in that process, God set him up. He said, okay, what, what will happen now is Saul will need some help. He's, 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 he's got some stuff in his heart which has opened his life to the demonic. The only way these demons can be driven away is by an anointed person coming and playing music. You know, when we had music playing this tonight, we felt the presence of God. Why? Because God, God moves where there is worship. Jesus sits on his enthroned on the worship of his people. And that is what David did. David had been sitting and playing to the sheep. He had been playing and worshiping. And he had been, he had been listening. And he had been, been anointed. He would go in and out of the presence of God. So every time David came and sat with Saul and he played music, the presence of God would come and the demon spirits would leave. And Saul liked the little boy. He said to Jess, he said, Jess, I like your son, so I'm going to keep him as, as, as a personal assistant to me. So now David, 
who is a shepherd boy, is suddenly in the palace. God has moved him from the, sh- from the paddock into the palace. And now he's watching how the king operates. What are the things that happen in the palace? He's starting to give him inside information. So he's going to the university of Saul. He's going there so that he can be trained and equipped. Now, now David is a smart guy. He's watching how the, how the servants would come and present themselves before the king. He, would, he was watching how the leaders would sit and discuss because he is the personal assistant to this guy. He has access into every area of his life. So David is, is getting first-hand opportunity to learn a lot of things. Then David is allowed to go home because there is some trouble on the borders. So Saul leads his army, goes to the border, and there he finds that there is a man who is about nine feet tall who comes and reviles them. He shouts at them. He shouted at them for 40 days. 40 days, the army of Israel would come out, and this man would come out all by himself, and it says that when he would come and, and, and revile them, they would shake with fear. I just want to talk, show you what was the self-talk that David had then. It's in First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17. He says, First Samuel chapter 17 verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Who is he? He's a boy. And Saul looks at him and says, do you realize? Do you realize that you are too young? You are too small. This man has been fighting all his life. Do you realize? But look at the talk that is there. Where did he get this talk from? He did not get it by eating pizza. He did not get it because he was watching Coronation Street. He did not get that because he was watching something else. He was watching the moves of God. He was watching just like he would, he would talk and think about what's, what Moses did. The Bible says that the people of Israel saw the acts of God, but Moses saw the ways of God. And he was pursuing, pursuing the presence of God. He was pursuing what God would do. And as David learned these things, he was able to say confidently that this is how it is going to be. He was able to prophesy to, Go- to Goliath and say, do you know that you are going to lose your head? I love the way Mayan put it. Everybody looked at Goliath and thought, how big is he? But when David looked at Goliath, he said, how, oh, he's so big that I can't miss him. He's so big that I can't miss him. You know, I'll, I'll show you another, way, another place where you, you can hear what's go, what David's self-talk. David said to the Philistines, you come to me, come against me. It's in verse 45. David said to the Philistines, you come against me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come against you in the name of, of the Lord God Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Further down he says, all those who are gathered here will know that it is not by a sword or a spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give all of you into our hands. That's the, the self-talk that David had. 
Oh, I can imagine David is watching, you know, he's watching this guy coming and, and reviling the armies of God. And I can imagine in his heart, oh, let me get my hands on this guy. He's dead meat. He's dead meat. I'm going to have a burger tonight, you know. But all this led to more problems for David. David thought that now that Saul has seen that he's successful, that God is using him and touching his life, what would Saul do? Saul would promote him and give him his, give him his throne because God has already spoken. But that's not what happened. The more Saul saw that God was on David's life, the more Saul became jealous and he wanted to take David out. So David ran away. The interesting thing is, now Israel is not a very large nation, is it? It's not very huge. It's not much different from, say, say New Zealand. But interesting thing is that Saul could never catch him. But anybody who wanted to come and meet David, they were able to find him. They were able to find him. I'll show you from the scriptures. 1 Samuel chapter 23. It says on verse 14, David stayed in the desert, the strongholds, and in the land of the desert of Zip. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. Who did not give? God. Now, David is not by himself. He's got 600 people. He's got 600 people with him. And, and when Saul would come looking for him, I would imagine that he would come with an army of a size of 100,000 people. And still they can't get hold of 600 people. You know, when you are going with, as a team of 600 people, you need food. You need clothing. You need, you know, you need a place to wash. You need, you need shelter. So you cannot, you cannot just go and, and lie under a tree. You have to find a place that is suitable for your army. But still, Saul could not find him. There is another occasion in verse Verse 26, it says, Saul was going along one side of the mountain and David and his men were on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. Imagine that. On one side of the mountain is Saul and his army. On the other side is David. He's got 600 people, but God would protect him. God would put his hand around him all the time. God washed over him. And constantly, constantly God proved to David that is good enough to watch over him. But in, when we come to verse chapter 27, we find that David says, one of these days, I think Saul is going to catch me. So, I have to come up with plan B. Are you with me tonight? He had to come up with a plan B, and his plan B was to run away to Ziglag. Ziglag means windy place, a place which is windy. You know, we, we came here about nine years ago, and uh, we came specifically to be part of Bay City. After the first year was finished, I couldn't get a job here, and Jesse got a job in Y Park. So the only option we had was, was to move to Y Park. And I tell you, I was very annoyed. I was very annoyed because I thought, God, I had come here so that I would be part of the church. And why is it that you are uprooting me from here and moving me to Y Park? Now, I didn't drive in those days. 
And from a, a journey from Hastings to Y Park was like sending me to Russia. I would start from home and pray in tongues till I reached Hastings because I was afraid of every car that passed by me. I was real, I would real, it would take me an hour to drive here because I was scared. And so it was like torturing me. It was like putting me, you know, into boiling oil. And I thought, God, you know that I am not very good at driving. Why would you put me an hour out of city so that I would not be able to come to church? And I remember the first time we had gone to, to Y Park. We crossed the bridge of Waipawa onto, onto the area of Y Park. And I heard my ears open. And I heard in the spirit realm things talking to each other saying, they are here, they are here. You know? Things are watching you and me all the time. We may not realize. The first week into her job, Jesse was approached by a young girl who says, Miss, are you a Christian? Jesse says, you need to go back to your work and do your studies. The girl comes up again in 10 minutes time and says, Miss, are you a Christian? She says, you need to go back to work. The third time she got up and did not even bother to come up to her. She said, Miss, I know you are a Christian because I'm a Satanist. Things are watching us. There are things that are watching us all the time. And then we forget that we may move into zigzag again. You know, we moved to Y Park. And I was saying, God, what are you trying to tell me? And he said, he said, stand still and know that I am God. So that scripture spoke to me and said, what I need you to do is to relax but I felt there was war going on in my heart. So I said, God, what do you mean by this? What do you mean? So I started looking into that scripture. Now, one of the problems with, with translation is it doesn't translate what the Hebrew is. The word stand still does not mean standing still. It means entwine yourself around the Lord. So the Lord was saying, Prepare for battle. Entwine yourself closer to me and closer to me because I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to stand with you. We had one of the most entertaining time in NY Park. You know, Jessie started teaching her classes and the students would run around with their chairs. They would shout at each other and they would swear all the time in the class. And Jessie came home and we decided upon a strategy. We decided, okay... We will pray over these children. We will pray constantly over these students. Before you enter the classroom, we will cover you with prayer. So every day at 4 o'clock, I would wake up. I, was, I didn't have any job, so it was fine with me. So every day at 4 o'clock, I would take the pictures out of these students, and I would pray over each one of them, each one of them. And, I would, and this process will continue till about 11 o'clock by the time you know, I've covered all her classes. And every day, as each day passed, the results changed in the classroom. The students who would swear the most suddenly became the most quiet students in the class. God has given us strategies and keys. You know, we ha he has given us strategies and keys of how to overcome. And David had forgotten that God had been watching over him all the time. While we were having all these fantastic victories, I also had my pity parties. I don't have a job, Lord. There are people who are dumber than me who have a job. <laughs> yes, I did have one of 
Lord, Lord, you know, I look at that person. That person has got one year experience. I've got 15 years of experience at senior management level. I can't get a simple job. And I would have my pity parties. But I tell you, God was in the, on the case. He would, he, would, he would wake me up every day at 12 o'clock. Every day. 12 o'clock in the night, just after midnight, he would wake me up. And I would wake up fresh. And I would worship God and I would pray. He gave me 52 messages in those days. One for each week that I was supposed to preach. One every day. One every day. You know, he would, he would refresh and talk to me. And I felt I was getting abnormal because I was sleeping only three or four days an hour. In the, you know, three or four hours a day. And that was the best time that we had. But that was the time when we were in the desert place. David thought that his desert place, in his desert place that God had forgotten about him. I had done the same thing. But God, one day I was having this, the biggest pity party I could ever have. And, you know, he just spoke loud and clear. And you know when he speaks sharply. He said, take your eyes off yourself and look at other people. They need your help. So that shook me up, <laughs> and then we started a cell group in White Park. <laughs> so, and while, while David is going through this turmoil in his head and his mind, he decides to go away. And while David is not watching, what happened is, the enemy, the enemy came and attacked. They came and took away his family. His, children, his wives, his children, the wives and children of 600 men who were with him. They took away everything that they had. Almost everything that they had. When the men came back from hunting or, or whatever they had gone for, when they came back, they found that everything was lost. And the Bible says that the men wept. You know, these men who were there with him, 400 of them were his own family. 200 of them were all vagabonds and all, all people who were in debts and who had ran away because they had gone bankrupt. These were people who had faced tough things in life. And when they lost everything, they just wept. They just wept. They sat and wept. It says, that they wept till they became very angry. So they moved in their grief from sorrow to anger. And now they were ready to stone David. Because he was the leader. And so David not only lost his family. He also lost his men. Who, who he thought were very loyal to him. In such an hour, David turned back to God. And he sat down before God and he said, God. The Bible says he strengthened himself in the Lord. Chapter 30, verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. So what do you think David did? He sat down and just like Sophie was sharing tonight... He sat down and he started worshipping God. He started thanking Him 
for who he is. There is one man in, in the book of Hebrews. It says that Abraham reasoned that God who promised. What did he do? He reasoned. He did not just pick up his son and go to Mount Moriah. He sat down and reasoned. This God who is asked for a sacrifice, is he different? Is he different from the gods of the other, other people? Is he different? Has he been faithful in the past? Has he been able to give me what he wants to give me in the past? Is he able to bring life from the things that are dead? He reasoned, he sat down there. David did the same thing. He sat down there and strengthened himself in the Lord. What would have he done? He would have thought of the times then when he was faced by a bear and he had all his sheep and he had to rescue them and he thought how he had picked up the bear and threw the bear down. He was a brave guy. He remembered the times when the lion would attack and David would stand between the lion and the, and the sheep with a staff in his hand and a sling in, his hand, in the other hand. He would remember the times when God was faithful. He remembered the times when his family did not think that he was, being he was worthy of being called in when Samuel came. He remembered the time of God's faithfulness. As he sat there and he started worshipping God, he felt strengthened in his spirit. He realized, my problem is not big. My God is bigger. My God is bigger. My God is bigger. And he started worshipping God. He started standing and exalting God for who he is. And as he did that, strength came back. And his common sense came back. He approached God again and said, God, what do you want me to do? Shall I pursue them? He said, yes, go pursue. You know, sometimes it seems like everything is lost. They say that the time before the dawn is the darkest. David was able to go and recover everything. But this was the last test before David, before he was going to be anointed king. You know, soon after that, Saul was killed in a war, in the war. Saul took his own life and David became the king. Imagine what would have happened if David, instead of strengthening himself, had got bitter. Imagine, God is talking to you tonight. Your breakthrough is just around the corner. Your breakthrough is just around the corner. What you have waited for all your life, what you have been working for all these years is just around the corner. Because God says that as soon as you take this thing down, there is Saul is going to take his life and you will be anointed and, and, and put in that place. Our God is a God, our God is a God who strengthens us and makes us ready for the place. See, God has never forgotten the first assignment that he has given to man. His first assignment was that we would be fruitful and multiply. We have multiplied, but are we fruitful? His assignment has never changed. The other assignment that he had given is, go and subdue the land. I don't think he wants us to go and subdue the land. It's already subdued. There is something else that he wants to subdue. There is something else he wants us to overcome. The assignments have never changed. 
The assignments are never changed. Let me tell you, he has given each one of us sitting here an assignment. He has given us an area where we can be fruitful and multiply. It could be our children. It could be the people that we interact with. It can be the community that you are working with. With different person, different people, it is different size. But as you start working with these things, you will find God expanding your area of operation. You'll find new things coming into your arena because God has got a path ready for you to be able to overcome. Every problem that David faced only was a stepping stone towards his crown. Every problem, every problem that came across his path was preparation for the throne. Let me tell you tonight, every problem that you face is a preparation for the breakthrough that God has been preparing for you. God has a plan for everyone sitting here. You know, while we were in worship, God asked me to, to prophesy this tonight. It's a very familiar passage. What I'll get you to do is, you know, if all of us could just get up and can I have the keyboard going, please? Ezekiel chapter 37. I want to prophesy over the dry bones. In the What I would like you to imagine is the thing that you're wanting a breakthrough in. The area where you think you're standing in the valley of the dry bones. And the Lord then said to me, prophesy to these dry bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Tonight, Father, I stand in this place and I prophesy. I prophesy that in that place of dryness, in that place of dryness where the bones have been lying and been dry for a long time, Lord, I stand and I prophesy. I prophesy to them because I know breath will enter them. I know breath will enter them. I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked at the tendons and the flesh appeared on them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then the Lord said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, breath into these slain, and that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Lord, tonight we stand on the place that you have appointed us and we command the breath of life to come into these dry bones. Father God, we command, we command life to come into these breath, 
dry bones, Father God, that they would come together, the dry bones of finances, the dry bones of relationships. Lord, tonight I prophesy over dry bones. Lord, tonight I prophesy over dry bones. I prophesy, I prophesy, Lord, breakthrough. I prophesy breakthrough. I prophesy breakthrough. I prophesy breakthrough. I prophesy breakthrough. Lord, tonight I command dry bones come together. Dry bones come together. Lord, tonight I command every demonic oppression be loosed in the name of Jesus. Lord, tonight I command, I command, Father God, their eyes would be opened. Vision would be given again, Father God. New vision would be imparted. There would be strength in their bones, strength in their muscles. Hallelujah. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope has gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you will come up from them. I will put my spirit in you and I will live and you will live. I will settle in your own and you will settle in your own land. And then you will know that I'm the Lord who has spoken and I've done this, declares the Lord. Father God, tonight I speak life. I speak life. I speak life over every situation. Lord, if it's a visa situation, I speak life over it. Father God, if it's a job situation, I speak life over it. Father God, if there is, Father God, there is court situation. Father God, people looking for a breakthrough. Father God, with, 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 with getting the children back. Father God, I speak breakthrough. Father God, tonight, I prophesy breakthrough. I prophesy breakthrough, Lord. I just thank you, Father God. I thank you because you are the God of breakthrough. Hallelujah. Church, tonight I want to remind you that Jesus came so that we can recover everything that we have lost. If you are here and you are not a Christian or you do not know Jesus personally, you want to have this God work in your life, I want to give you an opportunity so that you can recover what you have lost. Hallelujah. If you do not know Jesus Christ personally, and if you would like to know this God, if you would like to know about this God who is able to help you recover, slip your hand up. I would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you. I would love to pray with you because I know from personal experience He's a God who will walk with you. Thank you, Jesus.